Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The European Le Mans series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. It's round five of the European Le Mans series, and round five brings us to a fabulous place for motor racing. They've been racing here since 1921 through the Ardennes Forest and through magical corners like Eau Rouge, Radion, and in more recent days, uh, Bruxelles and Pouin. Of course, the original footprint of this Spa-Francorchamps circuit used to be huge down towards the Master Kink and villages like Malmedy and Stavolo have become world-renowned as a result of this place. Great to have the ELMS back in 2019, and we're going to be visiting this place in 12 months' time as well, in 2020, because a calendar was released yesterday for the next campaign of the ELMS. But let's deal with the matter in hand. Welcome, everybody. My name's Johnny Palmer, Graham Goodwin of DailySportsCar.com to my right, and we're going to enjoy in a moment or two some slightly extended qualifying for ELMS. These are normally 10-minute sessions but adjusted to 12 minutes each for LMGTE and then next it'll be LMP3s and LMP2s to finish off all to determine a grid of 35-ish cars I say 35-ish because we've already had drama this weekend Graham we have good afternoon everybody uh, from a sparkling spa Frankenstein very different scenes than we've had in recent years for racing here uh, great sunshine still a little bit cold in the air no breeze. You can see the flags fluttering above the uh, the new pits where the LMS cars are sighted this weekend. But uh, yet, yeah, a couple of dramas already. In fact, uh, three big dramas for three major runners through the week. First, the G-Drive racing car in private testing earlier this week, comprehensively demolished uh, and rebuilt around their team's spare tub after a major incident for Job Venutet. He is fine. The car wasn't. Um, up at Radion, a near copy of that incident this morning with uh, Paul Lipschatan in the 28 Edex Sports Orica. I think, Johnny, that car is done for the weekend. That was a big, big, big hit. Uh, waiting to see what will happen with the Algar Pro car that uh, once the session went back to green had a further incident, a little further down on the exit of Radion onto the Kemmel Strait uh, with Henning Enquist at the wheel of the car. Uh, that car hard into the barrier on the left-hand side on the Kemmel Strait after seemingly losing control on the exit of Radion. Another heavily damaged car, but have seen pictures of that car undergoing attention in the garage. Whether or not uh, they got away with that one and that car is recoverable in time for uh, this uh, practice, sorry, this qualifying session or indeed tomorrow's race, we'll wait and see. But it's been another race weekend of high drama uh, before we've actually gone racing. Uh, for now, though, it's all going to be about qualifying. It's going to be a half dozen uh, cars in the GTE class. Got a couple of cars missing from the season entry. No EB Motors, the 88 um, Proton Competition car. I was having a chat on the way out of the circuit yesterday evening with Christian Reed. They did test some drivers commercially. That wasn't coming together for them this weekend. But uh, into the thick of things is going to be this car, the number 66, 
uh, GMW car, the remaining 77 Dempsey Proton Porsche, which has been uh, in the thick of things all season. It's a Porsche and Ferrari affair again mm. uh, this weekend. All on Dunlop tyres, of course. 66, as it has done for the, for the season since the Mont, carrying this fabulous Easter egg, um, Le Mans-themed, and in part European Le Mans series-themed uh, livery, uh, designed by our good friend Andy Blackmore. Good afternoon, Andy, if you're watching. And Chiara, who's designed a little bit of parts, his daughter, with part of that uh, livery. 55 Ferrari with the rather less, co less complex livery, the uh, typical deep green and white roof of Duncan Cameron. The other thing that we've had to get our minds around is that not only are these cars uh, bopped, as we would say, the balance of performance system, which ensures that Ferrari and Porsche are on a level playing field, but there's also, regardless of manufacturer, success ballast for the first time this year in the NMS as the green flag is now waved. And this is a first, I reckon, because in this new season of success ballast, every single car in the LMGTE category is carrying weight of some description. So the heaviest car is number 51 because that's the championship leader and it's also had some good results in the last two races. By the way, uh, it's all based on where you currently sit in the championship. If you're in the top three, then you'll carry some weight because of that. Equally, if you finished in the top three at Silverstone, a little bit of weight because of that, and at the top three at Barcelona because it takes into account the last two races and your current championship position. Championship position's actually on the screen now. So 77 points for the 51 Ferrari crew, Lucic Racing. 56, now three teams are on 56 points. Dempsey Proton, JMW Motorsport, and the 83 Kessel Racing squad. Uh, and they've been put into an order because one of those crews has had a race victory, the other two haven't. And it's actually come down to the fine lines to, uh, to put 77 above 83 because 77 got two second places before the two second places for the 83 so it's, it's down to when you score the points as in what point period of the time in the season you scored those points uh, that's actually splits some of the teams in the championship I'll just finish the point about weight so 51 carrying 30 kilos 66 JMW Motorsport Ferrari 15 the 77 Porsche has 10 the 83 Kessel Racing Ferrari has 10 and then the uh, 55 Ferrari and the uh, the 60 Ferrari both have five kilos in weight. So it's, I mean, when we get down to that level on the time and on the table, it's minuscule amounts. But nevertheless, it all counts. And the other point to make, by the way, about those three cars in second position on equal points is that is going to be critical because there are two Le Mans spots in GTE in the European Le Mans series. The top two cars, two, two teams in the uh, point standings in the European Le Mans series in both LMP2 for the first time in LMP2 and uh, in GTA will get automatic invitations for 2020, the Mont 24 hours, as a result of their championship positions. And that tight battle um, for second place really, really matters to these teams. That is, you know, in terms of the sporting ambitions of the professional drivers, in terms of the personal ambitions and sporting ambitions of the amateur drivers, and in terms of the sporting ambitions and the commercial ambitions of the teams, vital stuff. If it was to remain that close to the end of the season with two more races, then we are going to be looking at countback, therefore. And as I say, Dempsey Proton Racing, judged to be slightly higher than JMW Motorsport and Kessel Racing in the championship table because they have had one race victory, whereas JMW and Kessel Racing are still waiting for their first uh, top step of the podium. 
but interestingly, JMW Motorsport have had exactly the same set of results as the 83, the girls in the Kessel Racing Ferrari. It's just they've been in slightly different order. And JMW bagged their two second places at Monza and Barcelona. And therefore, the earlier in the season you get the better results, the better it is as far as the standings are concerned. So, 10 minutes normally, 12 minutes because this is a 7-kilometre circuit. And it gives you just that little bit of extra time to do the outlap then come round through the bus stop chicane to commence your flyer. All these cars based in the Grand Prix garages and we're using the start-finish line that the Formula 1 Grand Prix uses as well. So we're now on to flying laps. Quickest in the first sector, Andrea Pacini in the number 60 Kessel Racing car. So a couple of cars with a little bit wayward on the track limits front so it will be interesting. The first one to be pinged for that was actually on the outlap. Doesn't count anyway. That was the 83 car, the all female crew car been very impressive this season the trio of uh, women aboard the number 83 Kessel racing car great initiative from Kessel girls have already raced with some honour indeed at uh, the Le Mans 24 hours through curve Paul Frere goes the 66 then with Jeff Siegel at the wheel Jeff's got um, 15 kilos of weight for company as well no doubt strapped in um, effectively where the passenger seat would sit in a road car. There, I think there are three different places that you can put the weight. Ooh, a little bit of an error there into the chicane for Matteo Cairo. He misjudged the braking point on possibly coolish Dunlop tyres as well. Still made the corner, but certainly lost some time. And we're down to just seven minutes remaining now. 2.15.380 from Alessandro Pierre Guidi aboard the number 51 Luzic racing car. Uh, three tenths back to Matteo Caroli with that error into the bus stop. Half a second back from that lead time, Matt Griffin in the Spirit of Race car. Then it's uh, over a second back to Jeff Siegel and Rahel Fry. Just watching there. And Andrea Pacini pops up third quickest, just edges Matt Griffin back. So Ferrari, Porsche, Ferrari, Ferrari in the top four right now. And in free practice. It's been Porsche fastest, hasn't it? Despite the Porsche being up against five Ferraris, the Porsche has come out with the, the better lap times in the first session. Actually, no, I beg your pardon. I'll correct that because I'm looking at the wrong results. That's uh, Silverstone at uh, here at Spa. Yes, I was right in that free practice two was top by Porsche with a 215.5. And then in free practice one, which was held on Friday, top of the shot was again a Porsche, 216.9. I'm going to guess that those two times were Cairoli's, but Ricardo Perro, we know, is very, very, very rapid as well. So despite the Ferraris being more numerous, this Porsche with the blue door mirrors heading towards the camera at the right-hander at Fania does seem to have the measure. Horses. Yep, Jeff Siegel loses his flying time, uh, flying lap time for the uh, track limits. Matteo Caroli goes to the top. Meanwhile, leapfrogs uh, the uh, Alessandro Pierre Guidi, but that's because Pierre Guidi lost his lap time for track limits. So those uh, those adjudications coming through at a pace at the moment. So at the moment, Cairoli from Piccini from Griffin. It's not because those cars have gone quicker. It's because Pierre Guidi has lost his flying lap time that gave him that provisional pole position just for a few moments. He's around there lapping competitively, so we'll back up the order in just a few seconds' time, I've no doubt. But right now, it's a 77 car from a 60 car, 
at the top of the order with five minutes of this 12-minute session remaining. And Kessel Racing Ferrari heading out of Blanchemont now to head towards the bus stop chicane. That is the 83, that's the 60 rather, with the 83 just a bit further up on the, uh, the road. It looks like we're going to get to a natural interval point here where one set of dunlops are switched for a newer set. And the track is completely empty now because everybody is in the pit lane. All six GTE cars choosing this point. This is not a mandatory stop we have to do in qualifying, but we should be forgiving for thinking it was uh, such. And now the cars will move on their way again. Not going to be in a scenario that uh, is used at the Spa 24 hours where you have to use both pit lanes effectively. Both pit lanes are in use because we've got the Michelin Le Mans Cup at Spa this weekend as well. They are based in the endurance pit lane, the downhill run to Eau Rouge, but the JMW Motorsport number 66 will pierce back onto track immediately after the source. And now this is the warming up lap, effectively ahead of another quick run. So with under four minutes to go, neither the 51 nor the 66 have yet set a flying lap time due to track limits on their first attempts first time around. New tyres aboard both cars now. Matteo Caroli in the meantime is in the pound seats. He's there, top of the shop. A couple of tents clear. Andrea Puccini, Matt Griffin. It's close stuff. Top three cars in the 215s. And Michael Fry is the fourth car to have set a time in this session. Messy, really, thus far. So what have we seen before in these situations? It all happens in the last 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it will neaten up now that everybody's got brand new Dunlop rubber to play with. 215.675 is the time to beat then. 0.2 of a second the margin, and then it's a further just four hundredths of a second back to Matt Griffin's effort. But we haven't yet seen times from Alessandro Pierre Guidi in the Lusic Racing Ferrari number 51 or Jeff Siegel in the JMW Motorsport Ferrari. Pole positions already this year have gone to the 77 Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche on two separate occasions. The Porsche taking pole at Paul Ricard at the start of the year and Monza the following race. There's been a pole for Kessel Racing's number 60 Ferrari and last time out at Silverstone it was the turn of the 88 Proton Competition Porsche to take pole. That car is not in Belgium. So, but could it potentially, the pole, come from a car that we haven't seen on the front row to date? 77 at the moment in the box seat. No change of drivers, of course. They'll stick with their fastest pilots, generally speaking. But now, just two minutes to play with. Extraordinary, really. We've not seen Luzic racing with a pole position this season uh, with the talents of Alessandro Pierguidi on demand for them. Yeah, nice. two wins, a third place and a fourth place, but, but yet, no yet to take a point for pole. Lock up there for Jeff Siegel, who reaches La Source and the front right tyre stationary briefly, so a big puff of smoke as a result of that. I'm sure he'll not enjoy now the rest of this lap because uh, it will start to cause a vibration. I think this is going to be his only shot. There is the danger of that because we've only got 90 seconds left on the clock. Don't think he's going to get round and start another lap here. It's going to be very, very tight if he does. Certainly behind him on the road, Rahel Fry. This is her last chance in 83. And then there are cars even further back than that, including Matt Griffin in the Spirit of Race, dark green Ferrari, and the other Kessel Racing entry that's being driven by Andrea Piccini. That car currently second on the grid. 
but the Porsche is nursing a 0.2 of a second advantage over five Ferraris behind Cairoli. Not hanging around here. Heading out of turn nine, speaker's corner, as it's colloquially called. And again, a bit of a tank slapper, a mini tank slapper that the Italian controlled nicely. Top four all quicker than they have been before in the first sector. Quickest of the lot, though, is Andrea Piccini, second place uh, in the order at the moment. But he is three tenths of a second up on Matteo Caroli in the first sector and a gap for pole position at two tenths of a second over a full lap. So this is going to be critical moments. Second quickest, by the way, at the moment is Matt Griffin, just thousands ahead of Rahel Fry. Watching those second sector times that are going to come ticking in at the moment. It's a purple sector from Matteo Caroli we're watching now, but what can Puccini do? We'll find out in just a second or two's time. Through campus goes Rahel Fry. Right behind her, still Matt Griffin in the 55. And the 60 car could yet have a big say on the order. Oh, and that's the wiggle. last car on the road. Checkered flag being waved then. Cairoli, can he improve? Yes. yes. A 215.088. That's nearly eight tenths of a second quicker than anybody else. And immediately up to second place with no time previously. Alessandro Pierguidi. So literally one lap and he's done. Jeff Siegel across the line does improve, but still sixth. Watching Andrea Piccini. I don't think he's done enough in the second sector to trouble pole position. Can he get onto the front row? Through the bus stop now. Gets the power in. And will cross the line. To stay third, or to, yes, to stay third is just the to that. Look at that, six thousandths of a second, though, Incredible. was the gap. Yeah, 0.383 of a second was Pierre Greedy, slower than Cairoli. 0.389 back to Andrea Puccini. So, as Graham says, six thousandths of a second, and actually, Cairoli's had a lap deleted, so that will change it again. Matteo Cairoli must have had that fast lap deleted, and our celebrations continue down at Proton, down at Dempsey Proton Racing. I don't think they've realised yet, because on my timing screen, Alessandro Pierre Guidi is going to be given pole position. By six thousandths for a second <laughs> with the Here's one the lap that he actually uh, managed to, to get and he gets his first pole position of the season for uh, Lusic Racing in the European Le Mans series Cairoli's back at the charpin oh, now right. so now is there a there? dispute going on I think this is going to be possibly something to be decided in the stewards room it's all to do with track limits we must remind you now, they, I think they've deleted they deleted the wrong lap it's the it's the 60 car that's had a, cup, a lap deleted so, so no longer is, do we have that six thousandths of a second correct gap. so the change that's just appeared on our timing screens Johnny Palmer is Andrea Piccini stays third but drops back in terms of the timing and uh, just edges McGriffin for third position so it's Caroli with the, the number 77 Dempsey Proton car is on pole position Alongside him on the front row in class will be the lose each racing number 51 of Alessandro Pierre Guidi. Andrea Puccini in the 60 Kessel and Matt Griffin in the 55 Spirit Race Ferraris on the second row. And Rahel Fry and Jeff Siegel will complete the six-car order in LMGTE. So forgive us for that confusion and uh, the... 
sort of, well, quite rightly, some excitement as well, because we have had numbers of cars delete, having times deleted through the course of the day. So it certainly wouldn't have been unheard of to have Cairoli's time deleted. But now the grins are back again. I'm sure they were slightly pensive a couple of seconds ago. But Cairoli put back to the top, and Andrea Puccini, in his number 60 car, has his best time deleted in the all-blue with the orange stripes Ferrari. So came so, so close, briefly given a front-row start and only by six thousandths of a second, but eventually had that time deleted. So the margin between Lusik Racing and Kessel is that little bit larger. But let's not take anything away from Matteo Cairoli. He's topped every session so far this weekend. And the 77 Dempsey Proton Racing Ferrari then flying the Porsche flag is nearly four-tenths of a second quicker than the Lusik Racing 51 crew. Still chasing that first pole of the year, then despite leading the championship by uh, 21 points. Then it's the 60 crew in third, Spirit of Race off fourth. Kessel Racing with the number 83 Ferrari will start from fifth position. They are equal third in the championship, remember. And it'll be Jeffrey Seagull in the 66 Ferrari to start from sixth position with his, uh, with his teammates, Waylou and Matteo Crisoni. So that's a sign of things to come in the remaining two sessions. We are in for a good early afternoon. LMP3s will be next again for a 12-minute qualifying session and then LMP2s to finish off this segment of the day. Now, 17 on the entry list, LMP2, is certainly two down, possibly three down. Maybe uh, three down. Well, we know, this. we know the Thunderhead by Carling Car is not here. That at Jack Manchester's shunt at... Uh, Silverstone, the, the uh, team requiring repairs to that car as well. They loaned a chassis from a WEC team that was required back with that team before this weekend. But we'll see the Cardone car back at uh, Portimao. Yeah. But uh, the other two, we wait and see what emerges. Uh, for those that missed the explanation as to what we're talking about there, two significant incidents for LMP2 cars in free practice this morning. Uh, one that... Uh, Certainly looks to be pretty serious for the car. Uh, Paul at Chatham, by the way, was uh, sent to the medical centre, unsurprisingly, after such a major uh, impact, but uh, was seen climbing up the car under his own steam. Uh, that was the 28 Edex Sports Orica. Into the barriers hard, driver's right, at uh, Radion at the top of a Rouge, of course. And then seconds after the race went back to green, um, not dissimilar place, a little further down the Kemmel Strait, but a totally different accident befell Henning Engfist in the, uh, the Algar Pro car. That car uh, front end first after seemingly losing the back end at the top of Radion and uh, front end first into the barrier driver's left the Kemmel Strait. We'll wait to see what can be done, if anything, with those two cars. Again, by the way, you should say Henning seemingly out the car and okay the thing that really matters so the GTEs are done and dusted with their qualifying session 14 LMP3s about to get going but we must get some reaction first of all from that uh, cut and thrust session let's hear from Matteo Cairoli now with Charlie George well it's confirmed third pole position of the season a beautiful spa with the sunshine how doesn't get better than that does it no it's great I mean spa I love spa you know every time I'm, I'm coming here I just feel free you know driving here it's it's uh, it's you know it's my favorite track of the calendar in the LMS 
Mercedes and uh, I have to thanks the team because like every time they're doing a massive job on the car it's uh, super competitive uh, most of the time so it's also big thanks to them and I'm really cannot wait for tomorrow. And keeping all of those Ferraris behind you? Yeah actually I mean with the first set I have to say that I was a little bit under pressure because Ale was pushing quite a lot so he forced me to make to make to let me do some mistakes in the end I did it but with the second set uh, everything worked perfectly so I could put it up together and that's why we are on pole today. Congratulations. Yeah, well done to the 23-year-old Italian from Como, and that's a third pole position of the year for the 77 Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche. So they're without the sister car this weekend, the 88 not here, but the 77 has been the sort of tried and tested machine that has done loads of ELMS races through the last few years, and still very, very quick. Let's say what a joy to watch that, that young man's career blossom in the European Le Mans series for, for you and I, Johnny, and for followers of the LMS. Uh, great to see a driver in his pomp enjoying his sport as much as Matteo clearly does and doing it with sporting gestures as well towards his colleagues in other teams so next up it's going to be a substantially larger gaggle 14 LMP3 cars for their 12 minute session and it will be 14 composed of 9 Normas sorry excuse me 5 Normas 9 Ligiers and it is uh, into Europol competition that lead the championship after four races so far. They had a win at Barcelona, a couple of second places and a third. But again, it's that relentless consistency. Never been off the podium, the number 13 into Europol competition car, which is again being driven by Martin Hipper and Nigel Moore in their Ligier. So we talk about the dominance of the Norma M30 seemingly in this format of the weekend, the qualifying and the single lap pace but across race distances uh, into Europol and the number 11, which is another Ligier from Euro International, have proven to be the best point scorers. 76 so far to the Polish squad, number 13. Seven points back from that, the American-flagged Euro International crew, um, who are Mikkel Jensen and Jens Pettersen. They're on 69 points. And then in third position on 53, it's the United Autosports crew. Another Ligier, Wayne Boyd, uh, Garrett Grist, Tommy Erdos, who are third in the championship on 53 points. So the best Norma, actually, when it comes to the championship positions, the ultimate squad of Mathieu and Jean-Baptiste Lehay and Francois Herriot, who have accumulated 49 points to date. You're looking at the number 10 Oregon team car and uh, shown remarkable pace the last couple of races out, but really dire luck in terms of they're uh, racing I don't think we've seen young Gustas Klimbergers actually in a race the last two rounds, I don't think it's made it into the car, I'm hoping by the way we'll see at some point this weekend on the cameras we've seen in free practice being uh, tested, which is a camera on a swivel uh, inside the Oregon car, where we can actually see the cars coming by, the LMP2 cars coming by um, with the camera alongside the driver watching LMP2 cars pass to the side and then in front um, so a spectacular camera view we've seen uh, tested out here. Not, we'll get the opportunity to see that in the as we see. So local time, as you can tell, is 12.40. This session due to run till 12.52. They're all slightly awkward times because these are 12-minute sessions. And the final session is due to start at 2 minutes past 1 through till 14 minutes past 1. 
And then uh, the race tomorrow, scheduled for 12.30 local time, through till 4.30 tomorrow afternoon. And weather permitting, we'll get the full four hours in this year. Whereas last year, unfortunately, we had to call it short just after the two-hour mark, and only 50% points could be awarded. They come streaming out, and a couple of cars joining the session a little later, including the number 13 into Europe Bull Car, the Championship leaders, of course. Justin England is into United Car, by the way. He's joined this weekend in the absence of the injured Mike Gouache. And again, Mike, good luck with recovery from those uh, injuries from horrible accidents at uh, Silverstone. It's a very fit guy, Mike Gouache, and I'm sure he'll be back very quickly. Joined this weekend by Andrew Bentley, who's been a regular part of this scene at uh, United Order Sports down through the years. Yes, but this will be Andrew's first ELMS weekend. I think you're right. Um, tracking back through his recent um, ACO rules racing, been involved in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. I think he's done a couple of races with the team in the UK LMP3 yes. Cup as well. Yes, uh, LMP3 UK, definitely. Two, I think two seasons in that and some good results. That doesn't exist anymore, does it? It doesn't, sadly. no. That's a really unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, Andrew Bentley, I think, present for both of the seasons that did take place. Meanwhile, Tony Wells, Colin Noble's car, being driven by Colin Noble, up through, Randy on corner, and now through the right-hand kick, foot buried to the floor, and time to make the odd bit of an adjustment in the cockpit as you head down the Kemble Straight. Say down the Kemble Straight, you're still climbing at this point through towards Lecombe and then hit the brakes hard to muscle the car first of all well over the first kerb a little bit of kerb through taken through that left hander and this is the more uh, the, the most crucial of the three corners really because this determines you'll run downhill towards Bruxelles the right hand hairpin some really interesting uh, you know gaps out on the circuit so this car you see nothing ahead of Colin Noble behind him but some distance behind him is Wayne Boyd in the United car. The last car's released from the pits as we've got the car off the track. That is the number five car. This is the car that was in trouble yesterday with a major fire. And the team had done a fantastic job to rebuild that car. Very toasty looked as well. Fuel leak, I believe. The car just regathers itself to start the lap. We've got uh, three potentially very um, serious runners here, four, um, with substantial gaps in front of them, so clear air for the number two United car, the seven Nielsen car, the 13 Inter-Europol car, the 10 Oregon car, and actually the YMR car as well, all with clear air ahead of them, and will get, I think, pretty unfettered runs here for the remaining nine minutes. Over the line goes Nigel Moore then in the number 13 into Europol competition car. This is the one that's relatively late to join the session and that was by design rather than any problem. It's running now just out of La Source and down the hill towards Eau Rouge but deliberately I think the Polish squad picking a relatively vacant portion of the track although not very far up ahead from Nigel is Damiano Furovanti for the Oregon team, number 10. And it may well be that Furovanti actually allows Nigel Moore by on the Kemmel straight. Meanwhile, the ultimate squad, number 17, fourth in the championship. Mathieu Lahaye normally put in for qualifying duties, and that's exactly what's happened for this session. Just allowing the tail to wag a little bit there, coming out of the right-hander at campus. Now through curve Paul Frere, building the speed all the time. Blanchemont, the next sequence of corners, the double left-hander for Mathieu Lahaye. Plenty of cars out there, plenty of cars going quickly. 
get the feeling this is going to be a very close run thing again. There's one thing you do know around the uh, these formula with the kind of spec drivetrain, the driver and the preparation of these cars really, really counts. And we've seen some real emerging talents through MP3 in recent years. And we've still got plenty of them here. Yes, the, the true differential is the... Uh man or woman behind the wheel quite frankly because it's relatively similar equipment obviously there is a there seems to be a big gap between the Ligier and the Norma's performance in qualifying at least but that is bridged when we get to the racing period of the weekend Norma's to the front although Mikkel Jensen wants to say otherwise and splits the two early pace setters but it's the number nine real team racing car of David Drew that is quickest so far. Two minutes, 13.185. He's got eight tenths over Mikkel Jensen at the moment. Uh, the international car has been a pace setter all season. I've always had the luck. But my gosh, they've got some pace with uh, young Mikkel Jensen. He's just a tenth and a half ahead of Mathieu Lehay. They're the top three. Norma, Liche, Norma. are blue and purple sectors all over the place here. This is going to be reshuffled and recast with every car that passes the start-finish line for the next six and a half minutes. Heading up towards Lecom is Mikkel Jensen then, just eight tenths of a second away from David Drew's lap, and this is really just everyone setting down a marker. And now they'll start to take a few more risks getting later on in the session. The tyres are well and truly up to temperature, all on a Michelin control tyre, remember, in this category. Colin Noble pops through for his first fly. Remember, with that clear track ahead of him, he's second quickest. Six tenths back from David Drew, he puts the number seven Norma ahead of Mikkel Jensen. And still has a completely clear track ahead of him with under six minutes to go. David Drew, on the other hand, might be running the risk of catching the number six car, which is being driven by Ross Kaiser. There's a big enough gap between those two right now certainly to complete this lap yeah Ross can't be seen away in the distance then already heading through the left-handers at Blanchemont and then further ahead than that is Mathieu Lehay who again could be up for an improvement here two personal bests through the two sectors on this lap Lehay is about to complete his lap he goes second but it's going to be a much improved time I think for David Drew so it's another man third run into the 213s Drew from Lehay from Noble now Nicole Jensen is going quicker this time. It's a further improvement and a big one from David Drew to 12.585. Seven tenths to clear now with Mathieu Lehay. But with other, uh, other cars behind making improvements, including Colin Noble, including Nicole Jensen. Jensen goes third, 2.13.4. So doesn't overhaul Lehay or Drew. Does leapfrog ahead of uh, Colin Noble, but Noble again is improving. It's quicker this time round and round. Two of the three cars at least ahead of him through sector one. 0.7 of a second is the gap between David Drew and Mathieu Lehay. Then it is just a tenth of a second back to Mikkel Jensen's effort in the fastest of the Ligier so far. Nigel Moore goes fifth in the It's Europol Championship leading Ligier. He'd lost his first flying lap time, so this is Nigel's first. Uh, one that's going to hit the board and stick there, I think. 13 car up into fifth. Norma, Norma, Ligier in the hands of Jensen. Another Norma, then another Ligier in the hands of Nigel Moore. Real Team Racing, Ultimate, Euro International, M Racing and Inter Europol. That order 
is messed with a little because Colin Noble goes back up to third position, leapfrogging Mikkel Jensen. It's Norma's 1 2 3 now. The, the second, third, and fourth place cars in the order very closely spaced, but it is David Drew that is absolutely bossing this right now. David Drew making everyone else look pretty ordinary at this stage because take him out of the mix and we have, we'd have an awesome fight for pole position. The only difficulty is the number nine car is seven tenths of a second quicker than everybody else, but behind you're talking hundredths of a second separating Machulay, Colin Noble, Mikkel Jensen, Luca Legere now into fifth place for M Racing. So he's jumped ahead of Nigel Moore, Damiano Fioravanti in the low two minute fourteens, whereas all those ahead of him either in the mid two thirteens or in David Drew's case in a uh, mid two minute twelve. Yeah, Legere is not going to improve this time around though. That uh, lap time he's on now is going to be deleted. We saw that through speaker's corner. Car running wide here though. Hey, do what he can to put the pressure on. He's halved the gap to David Drew. A good effort there from the experienced Frenchman. So again down into the 2.12s. 2.12.9 for Mathieu, but he's uh, 0.396 of a second away from David Drew's effort. Luca Legere uh, having the previous lap deleted, did you say, no, this Or this one, right. This lap. Needs so to get ahead of this car to get a clear run. This is the five car. This is the damage car from yesterday in the hands of James Winslow is the man aboard in a frightening conflagration hit James is not letting the Norma by why should he here's the number 7 car this is Colin Noble looking to improve his time 2.13.3 at the moment Damiano Fioravanti is the latest man to improve he's up into 5th position Marshall Moore pits the 13 car from 7th Fioravanti, by the way, set that time with the fastest third sector of the session. So we have the top five inside a single second. Seemingly dominant at the moment, David Drew. Noble did improve his time, but only marginally. Seven tenths now back from the pole setter. Three tenths back from Mathieu Lahaye. And still in absolutely clear air. The team have done a fantastic job here given the very best opportunity he's got. The one thing he's not going to get is slipstream from anybody. No, that's the difficulty. Colin Noble's car grounding out then as he heads through Eau Rouge. That's the pressure point, of course, and the skid plank underneath the car gets a right old pounding at that compression point. Then the climb up the other side and over Radion. So far this year, by the way, we've had pole positions for Oregon. That seemed a long time ago. Paul Ricard, the opening round. Two poles for M Racing at Monza and Silverstone. And the other pole sitter, Euro International, Mikkel Jensen, setting pole at Barcelona for the uh, night race that started at 6.30 local time and all the way through till half ten. David Drew reaching the end of this current lap, 43 seconds left on the clock. He'll squeeze one more out of it. Yep, Mathieu Lahey closed the gap again by just a few hundredths of a second, but David Drew stretches it by three tenths. It's 0 0.640 of a second, and now only Mathieu Lahey for the moment is within a second of that pole position. Mikkel Jensen will come through to complete the lap. He closes the gap a little, stays fourth, and will get another lap. Who else is going to get through? Well, this will be Colin Noble's final opportunity, I'm sure, because there's only 12 seconds left on the, on the clock. So who can make an additional lap pay? David Drew, uh, with a purple sector at the end of that lap, over half a second clear now of his rivals. Jacket flight is out. The guys we're looking at on screen here will complete their run at this moment. 
who's going to improve for many of them. And the Oregon team car doesn't, stays fifth. Also having completed the session, number three United car in the hands of Christian England. He's down in 12th position. The 360 racing car of James Winslow, that stays 13th. Into Europol's Nigel Moore dropping big down the order as others have improved. He's going to be no better than seventh because he's in the pits at the end of this session. Colin Noble crosses the line, does actually improve his time but not his position, so stays in third. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, the improvement was small and actually he's going to be more or less exactly a second slower than David Drew if Drew doesn't improve. Who's next across the line? It'll be the number two car of Wayne Boyd who will stay in eighth position in his Ligier for the Ulsterman. And we're expecting, well, a long gap now before Mathieu Lehay and David Drew. They are the two drivers occupying second and first, respectively, how much more can they give? Well, it's a personal best for Mathieu Lehay through the middle sector. The first sector, though, was questionable. Lucas Legere has potential to make a bit of a move up the order from sixth position with this, his last flying lap. Looks to me as if David Drew has got this one pretty much under control. I'm just watching the hawk for the middle sector from Legere, but that looks to be the only effort here that's in any way going to threaten pole position. For the man crossing the line now to complete his qualifying run, a very impressive set of times it's been from David Drew. Legere with a 59.4 through the middle sector. It's, it's good. That's I think right. we're going to see an improvement from, from Legere here. He's going to be the last serious runner across the line. Still got uh, Mikkel Jensen out there, but no improvement his first two sector times for your international uh, man. Here comes the number 19 car. Lost that lap earlier on in the session to track limits. Big, oh. big slide from the 19 car through the bus stop. Pushing very, very hard is the young Swiss. He'll cross the line now. And second, second, second place for Luca Legere. Superb. Well, we expected it to be an improvement. Not sure whether either of us expected him to uh, leap onto the front row. So still six tenths of a second shy of David Drew's effort. But crucially, he was three hundredths of a second faster than Mathieu Lehay. So those two positions switch. We know that Legere and M Racing have been good qualifiers so far with two to their name two pole positions to their name already couldn't quite manage a third but certainly a front row start will do top two rows then Johnny in the hands of the Norma racers it's real team racing M racing 1-2 ultimate and Nielsen racing's number seven car 3-4 before we get to the first of the uh, the Ligiers in the hands of Mikkel Jensen telling you though it's the way these cars deliver the speed the fastest second sector of that session came from that car, came from the Ligier. Fastest first and third sectors from the pole-setting man, David Drew. Fastest second sector uh, fell to the Euro International car. So real team racing with a first pole position of the year. They've only their best result to this day in the race is fourth position. So every chance to improve upon that. Six tenths of a second is some statement from David Drew. Back to Luca Legere, who left it right late for M Racing, but bags a front row start. Ultimate and Mathieu Lehay will have to make do with third position ahead of Nielsen Racing. That was Colin Noble setting the time a second slower than David Drew. And the third row will be Euro International, second in the championship alongside Oregon team who've had a nightmare season really after a good start to the year and decent points they've only since Paul Ricard scored 
a solitary point. So looking to try and correct that in round five of the season. They will start from sixth position ahead of Inter Europol. The, the championship leaders will have to do it the hard way from seventh position on the LMP3 grid ahead of United Autosports, RLRM Sport with their number 15 car and 360 Racing complete the top 10. Great to see both 360 Racing cars, though, taking part in that session. You might have spotted that the number five car had an all-carbon uh, engine cover. That's because the original skin of the car was so badly damaged in that fire at the end of the Kemmel Strait yesterday. So Mathieu Lehay thought he might have bagged second. It's going to have to be third because of a three hundredths of a second deficit to Luca Legere, this man. And still very, very young and very early in his career, Luca Legere from Switzerland, sharing with Laura Milara. We do sometimes see Jan Erlachet in that car as well for Ivan Muller's outfit, but not this weekend. And Real Team Racing decide, deciding to go the route of a two-driver lineup in LMP3. David Drew and Esteban Garcia, are the other man to pilot that car in the race tomorrow. The two Swiss drivers for the Swiss uh, team, indeed. And in a moment or two, we will turn our attention to the LMP2 field because they'll have 12 minutes of qualifying just around the corner. But we'll also, I'm sure, get some reaction with Charlie in just a second to that LMP3 session. Can confirm, by the way, the 31 uh, Algar Pro car, one of the cars that was involved in the incidents this morning we were describing earlier, will not be taking part in qualifying. No confirmation as to whether or not uh, the team were able to fix it. Looks to me like there was work underway in the garage uh, on the 31 car. We can see the sister 25 car there right now. So 31 car did take heavy damage this morning. I'm not expecting to see the 28 car, uh, the Edex board car that was uh, shunted in free practice to Paul de Chatin at the wheel of the car. A uh, heavy incident at the top of Radion. Yes, and a very similar incident to that that befell at Jot van Outert yesterday, but. Um, well, rather than tracking back through the statistics, did we see the 26 car in free practice this morning? Yes, we did. I assume no, we did, no, no, they, no, they the fixed car, it overnight. When we arrived at the circuit uh, before the weekend, uh, the replacement chassis, they did yeah. carry a replacement chassis at uh, TDS, had been fully rebuilt up and was ready for free practice one. So the TDS racing team would look after the G-Drive racing effort with the Aris Zero one had done a fantastic job of rebuilding that car. Yeah, with uh, relatively small, t- a little, little time to there to, to, to be available to them. So, uh, cracking job, and of course, all important because the 26 crew are gunning for a championship this year. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But David Drew, having trounced the field by six tenths of a second, is certainly somebody to catch up with. Charlie George has made her way down to real team racing to have a word. Well, David, congratulations. That was a fantastic qualifying in your first pole position of the season for Real Team Racing. Yeah, it's been a bit long until uh, the penultimate race, but um, I'm pretty happy. You know, it's been a bit difficult at the beginning of the season, but we found something this weekend after working really hard, and uh, I'm really happy we can, can celebrate this pole. So are we expecting good things in the race? Yeah, for sure. It, it will maybe rain tomorrow, so we'll see. But I like rain. We've been uh, driving on rain last year, so we have some experience uh, already, and we'll see how it goes. Good luck. Thank you. There's a happy young man. Indeed. Uh, it's a new program, of course, for Real Team Racing, so a happy young man that that appears to be coming together. I'm hearing that we're probably going to be seeing those guys back again for 2020 and some 
very positive uh, movement in the paddock here, as we've seen over the last couple of seasons, Johnny Palmer. I think we're going to see some new names. I think we're going to see some teams moving up from P3 to P2 next season. I think we're going to see some teams running one car, maybe running two cars next season. But it looks to me as if there's going to be no concerns at all about grid numbers in the European Le Mans series, which has really made its mark in the last couple of seasons as being absolutely one of the endurance race series across the world amazing grids astonishing racing the numbers just seem to go from strength to strength well it, it certainly for lmp2 it boasts the biggest lmp2 entry in a uh, wouldn't say domestic series if you like but uh, uh, when it's based in one single continent you've got to choose from uh, europe asia and north america and by far, I mean 17. I know we've only got probably 15 in this qualifying session, but 17 had, or 18 we've cars. Had 19 in the cars, remember yeah. at Monza, where there were 19 yes. cars. That the only race that I'm aware with a lead group of prototypes anywhere in the world that's beaten that has been the Le Mans 24 Hours. Yeah. Um, you know, and in P2 in particular. Uh, it's a mesmerising field and a field of real quality as well. And it's great to see what you've got here and not just those teams knocking on the door of championship, knocking on the, the door potentially of, of promoting themselves up into the World Endurance Championship, as one or two of the teams from last year did, but also teams that are just honing their craft here, lifting their efforts, putting themselves into contention. Edex Sports, who we may well not see with a 28 car in this session, are one of them. Duquesne Engineering, another. Without a doubt, those teams putting themselves into positions where they're going to be race winners and championship challenges in the future. It's great to see. Just a thought about 28. I suppose we're too late in the weekend now and uh, it would be very, very rude on Eric Maurice, uh, Stefan Adler and William Cavayas to switch the numbers on that, particularly as it was entered as an Orica as well, so you couldn't then just switch to Eligier. I'm just thinking because 28 is far better placed in the championship. Uh, yeah, um, I think the answer the is you're right, too late in the weekend and yeah. my guess is depends on the commercial arrangements within that team as well. Yeah. The fact that they carry the same team name and the same colours does not necessarily mean it's effectively the same team. No. Um, that it's not just a simple matter of saying, right guys, we're going to take that job. Here you go, we've got a shot of the number 28 car. Now mm. that car on the jacks, no work going on on it. That doesn't look as if they've packed it in quite yet though, does it? There's still an engine attached to the back of this. We're going to see on board, not seen this before. He's going to lose it about here. And it was way after the it corner. Was way, it was not it? the same incident as Jupp van Utert. It was that later in the corner. But uh, the impact there in free practice too this morning, very heavy indeed. That almost had a hint of a tyre going down after the turning point at Radion. And uh, not used to a car snapping away that late on in the Eau Rouge Radion sequence. No doubt about the impact, which looks horrendous from the driver's point of view. It's done a lot of damage to the front. I think the car went in the, into the, in the back as well. It so it's, it's both ends that have been pummeled. And clearly Edexport haven't given up on it yet. Well, the thing is, they don't necessarily have to qualify. They've done some mileage in yep. free practice. And crucially, that team second in the championship. They do not want to give up yet on this championship charge, bearing in mind they're only nine points behind G-Drive Racing. Remember again, and actually for the first time this year, it is the top two teams in this championship at standings after Portimao that will be going to them on with those automatic entries. So keeping the fight together is critically important. Yeah. Two things to say really here, Johnny, as we watch the cars on their outlaps now, we're already almost two minutes into this session, uh, is 
number one looking after the driver in a massive, massive hit. The, the, the level of safety now in these LMP cars is astonishing. The second thing is, it could just be minor damage that actually could put that car out. If it's a sp suspension point that's been pulled out by that impact, that would be enough. Not repairable here, repairable by uh, Orica, certainly, but not repairable here yeah. to put them out. And of course, yes, we've got a couple of spare chassis that have been kicking around, but one that's been used already this weekend. True enough. And yeah, they are now running short, but that's crucial where the suspension mounting point... Uh, locates with the with the tub itself they're, they're designed to be incredibly strong but when they do break it's so tough that to then repair that on site and as Graham says often has to go back to the manufacturer to have it all done properly so we wish them well because they were winners last time they were. at Silverstone a bit of a surprise winner because of a late puncture for the 26 G-Drive race leaders at the time G-Drive still finished second but it's closed the gap considerably and as I say just a nine point advantage now G-Drive Racing, the Russian-flagged squad with their Aurus 01 from the Edex Sport outfit, number 28, and Graf are third in the championship, number 39, with 53 points to their name. This is the 39 car. It that is. car has had a very good season indeed. And by the way, further kudos to Graf Racing. Uh, Decane Engineering were another team that had been trouble at Silverstone with a nasty accident. Uh, nothing Nico Jaman could do, completely unsighted found his path in the complex at uh, Silverstone blocked by the cool racing car that spun out Alexander Pony and get well soon Alexander as well nasty injury for him we hope to see you back we're hoping to be back at uh, Fuji for the WEC but uh, that car the data logger stopped working at something like 140 kilometers an hour at point of impact uh, massive damage for the Duquesne car they're running today uh, with a replacement chassis loaned to them by the Graf Racing Team. In fact, here's an odd fact, Richard Bradley, um, last time he drove in that car, won the last two races for Graf Racing as their 40 car in 2017. Yeah. So, something to market at the moment, replacement chassis for Orica 07s. But uh, as we're describing all of that, Johnny Palmer, and with confirmation on time in the scoring that the 28 31 has not moved from pit lane, we're getting the first times appearing at the top of the timing and scoring and it's another new for them Orica that tops the times for the moment Alex Brundle the number 32 car at United Autosports here for the first time fielding two Orica chassis at one at Silverstone alongside the 32 squad still running their Ligier two here with their ex um, GDC Miller cars here for the United States the 32 car to the top of timing until crossing the line comes another team with an XMSA car. <laughs> Will Stevens and the Panis Bartis 23 car goes through the 201.705. Out of the source goes Nicolas Chamalin. Cars in tow, also out on track. Will Stevens now up to second fastest and the best of the Dunlop shot cars. Remember, this is a mixed category when it comes to tyres, unlike LMP3 and GTE. Dunlop and Michelin in play. Great to have Dunlop still part of the ACO rules rule set because, of course, Goodyear uh, replacing Dunlop effectively in the World Endurance Championship. But the Birmingham brand very much present in LMP2. And this mixture of Oricas and Ligiers together with the Aurus, uh, which is an Orica effectively, um, creates some variety when it comes to the chassis. Sadly, we're missing the Delara this weekend. Carlin with
A huge crash in the last round at Silverstone, not in the race, but in one of the practice sessions, which um, we wish uh, Jack Manchester all the best in his recovery. Uh, it was Harrison New he brought in as the replacement driver, but they're still working on that car because it was a replacement chassis that raced at Silverstone, and therefore Delara not here at all. We are expecting that in Portugal next month. First car under 201 goes Felipe Albuquerque in the other United car, the 22 car, with two minutes point nine nine two seven tenths up on Will Stevens. So um, up in the third bar there's Jean-Luc Verne in that uh, rebuilt 26 car. To a 2.301, the hours badged Arca. So United from Palace Bath says G-Drive RLR in the hands of Arjun Miner, who's on qualifying detail, uh, uh, detail this weekend. He's pitted, as has Anders Fjordback, the top six. In fact, the top 11 chassis at this point not quite at last year's pace so far because last year's pole was a 2 minutes point seven. we're only a couple of tenths away from that that went to the 26 crew so Rusinov uh, Jean-Éric Verne and Andrea Pizzitola as it was in 2018 with some form around here uh, but the 26 car being driven by Jean-Éric Verne in this session let's wait to see whether he can offer something a little bit more in the remaining four and a bit minutes because Jean-Éric Verne, fourth fastest and pits actually at the end of that lap so another set of tyres no doubt for the Frenchman likewise Philippe Albuquerque stopping for a new set of Michelin tyres Will Stevens is in the pits as well Alex Brundle heading into pit lane just uh, out of the bus stop chicane and Anders fueled back in as well there is Verne Checks being done by the G-Drive racing crew as well. And too much time to waste here because you're looking at over two minutes for an out lap, then two minutes for a quick lap, possibly the chance of an extra one, but once we get below four minutes, that chance will go. Absolutely. So, second United Cars restarts its session. At the top of the shop. Not yet lighting up, Johnny Palmer. No, it's taking its time, and seven tenths of a second looks to be a, a large gap for Philippe Albuquerque. One or two were worried when United Autosports made the switch to a brand new Orica. They knew that squad was going to be very, very fast. It's not the, the trio that we see in the World Endurance Championship. Phil Hansen, we're expecting him to do a, an extra long stint and possibly hand over to the Portuguese, Albuquerque, for the second bit. But, um, yeah, United are up there, and at the moment, much faster than everybody else. Yeah, it's a fair spread. Uh, there's three cars within the top second if you like it's Albuquerque Stevens Jammer so it's seven and eight tenths respectively back in the second and third place cars here and beyond that over a second back so the gaps are significant here at the moment there's only three minutes to go is pushing hard though very menacing indeed through Pouin this time around Lafania as well uh, with running the risk of losing the back end as he came out of that corner, heading through campus as well. Leaving nothing on the table here, He's Nicolas Lapierre. He is, is he? Winners, of course, in the WC race on a Sunday at, at Silverstone. Himself and Anthony Borger. The other flag at turn 18 is going to spoil this run. He will not be allowed to. He's got green. He's got green. Straight away. So he's got a bit of luck there. He's going to complete this lap. We've got two minutes, 20 seconds to go. 
Two minutes point nine nine two is the mark. What can Nicola Pierre produce in the next couple of seconds? And the answer is going to be he only goes fourth. It's a two oh two despite those efforts. Yeah. So whatever the, the reason for that, I mean, certainly no no shortage of pace from Lapierre himself, but is it to do with how the car's been set up? You would imagine that all the stops were pulled out for qualifying and that it can be adjusted in time for the race. Already making a stop, Arjun Mining. That's it done, and Valtronic Verne is still in the pits as well, so that's him done too. He's not going to be any, any more than, uh, than fifth here. Nico Jaman will do no better than third. But Mining eased off in the middle sector. He was six seconds slower than a good time. Possibly even seven seconds slower than a good time. Halfway around the lap, so was that a slow puncture that kicked in? Oh. Potentially some sort of drama which curtailed the lap. Some puzzled looks from Olivier Panis. Walking after 23 and 24, of course. Jack Brundle, though, currently sitting down in seventh. He's gone through the first sector with a purple time. He's the only man at the moment in the top ten to show any improvement in any sector. Something very odd is going on out there at the moment. Well, there's no doubt about Albuquerque's pace. He was up there last year, and that was in Elysia. He was able to do a two minutes point nine. Hasn't, uh, well, just about matched that time now in the, in the Orica. Well, in sector one, the two, the two cars that are improving are the provisional pole setting car and Alex Brundle in the Sister United car. It's Brundle is the quick with the two at the moment. Tatola puts in a quicker time, but it's not going to put him into the top ten. He just puts it to the top ten. Apologies with that time. Position. Watching what's going on in this second sector. It's an improvement from Brundle of 54-9. What can Albuquerque produce? So it's a significantly better lap from Alex Brundle. Is it good enough to trouble pole position? And now it starts to light up. It's a better time as well from Will Stevens, but not matching the performance at the moment of the United cars across the line for the 24 car that is Tereshenko he yeah. improves up to 12th and best of the Ligiers Brundle goes second, second making it a 1-2 for United Order Sports but, but by thousands it's a what it's a 201.705 yeah for Brunt for Stevens so Brundle's had that time deleted then, he hasn't has he? had that time deleted although we've not had a message at the bottom of the screen to confirm that about to come across the line now is the 22 of Albuquerque and that is an improvement wow. it's a 2 minutes point eight four eight. so make that now an 8 tenths of a second margin over everybody else he's all but matched his best times without improving in sectors 2 and 3 but improved his time, but just marginally in sector one to just edge away. It's 0.857 a second, and I think that's going to be enough. Brundle, by the way, wasn't in the position to make use of the chequered flag, i.e. he wasn't the right side of it to push an extra lap out of the session. So as soon as that last one that could have put him on the front row was deleted, that's it. And therefore his best time remains at 202.489. Across the line now goes Will Stevens, does improve, 201.587, but he's still seven-tenths of a second slower than Philippe Albuquerque. This is an awesome showing from the Portuguese, who was, I mean, let us not forget, second in last year's race on the grid. They ended up winning that, didn't they, Albuquerque and Hansen, in the rain. Yeah. Uh, but he set just about the same time as he did last year in the Ligier. So are we just slower 
12 months on in the LMP2s, but what's happened to everybody else? That's the mystery. It's really strange. It'd be interesting to get the feedback from the teams as to just what's going on out there on the track. I have I've been told by a number of guys, massive lack of grip here for whatever reason this season. Yeah. Um, here at, the, at spa Francorchamps, and some of them attributing that lack of grip to some of the accidents we've seen so far this week. Crossing the line to complete uh, their run comes the high-class racing team and into the top ten, Francis Fjord back. It certainly looks very dusty on the road down at Lafania because that's a natural sort of corner-cutting point and cars bring dirt on from the inside of Piff Path, as it's sometimes called, Lafania Corner. And I wonder whether that's happening at other, other corners too. Richard Dean there at United Autosports, I think in communication with Alex Brundle more so than Philippe Abaker. There's no drama in the 22 camp, more so slightly puzzled looks as to the 32, which is an orica uh, for this race meeting and beyond indeed. But what about Philippe Abaker? He deserves wow. every credit. Uh, busy last weekend, was he not, in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports yep. Car Championship around Laguna Seca. And coming now to Spa, a track I know that he loves. He's got his home race to look forward to in a month's time as well. The man from Quimbra in the north of Portugal. And, yeah, it's another pole position to his name. Yeah, well, in high demand, and correctly so, Felipe Albuquerque drives, of course, in the European Le Mans Series here in the uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship with Cadillac and in the WC now as well, of course, with United Autosports. So not very many weekends at home <laughs> for the Portuguese, but uh, stellar talent, always has been, and retains his smiling outlook on life. Yeah, if you ever get the chance to have a word with Philippe Albuquerque, as long as he's got uh, no other pressing engagement during the weekend, he's always happy to spend a few minutes having a chat, yeah. and a thoroughly nice guy to uh, give you some insight as to what it's like to control one of those cars around a world-famous racing circuit so that for the 22 is a first pole position of the year and of course the car switch will have something to do with that from Ligier to Orica and are we are now about to see one or two more pole positions going the way of United Autosports well we saw at uh, Silverstone last weekend I think the first track session in either of the LMS or the WC that they didn't head was qualifying yeah. um, uh, but then Bitter luck for both the cars, uh, both the Oricas in ELMS and WC, with early race problems, completely different early race problems for both of them. But uh, I know they've been through those cars with a fine-tooth comb now. Let's just wait and see what the race brings. But uh, it's great to have yet another car in overall winning contention. You know, a good half of this field can win this race on pace. It's well, a wonderful thing to see. Five rounds now, five different pole sitters. Yeah. Quite incredible uh, in the variety that we've had. Two minutes, point eight four eight. good enough. Well, more than good enough for Philippe Albuquerque and a first pole position of the year for United Autosports. Panis Bartis Competition, despite Will Stevens' best efforts, having to make do with a front row start, but it's not pole. Duquesne Engineering will start from third position, point nine of a second slower, alongside the Cool Racing Gang, and that's Nicola Lapierre. Uh, winners in the WEC race at Silverstone in their class. Jean-Éric Verne, championship leader with Roman Rusinov and Jotman Outer, will have to start from fifth position in that brand-new chassis for Car 26. Arjun Miney calling it a day quite early on and pitting after, well, what looked like it was going to be a good lap, but I just wonder whether a slow puncture was the problem there for the Indian and the RLRM Sport car pitting early, but that car has qualified in sixth position 
nevertheless. Some reaction from a fraught and difficult to guess session from Philippe Abercook now with Charlie. Well, Philippe, congratulations. That was a fantastic lap for your first pole of the season. Yeah, it's been a while. And, uh, well, with this machine, uh, United is just being unstoppable really quick. Uh, we were really quick in free practice one and two. We were P1 with quite a good average, good, good space. Uh, but we need to get the job done in qualifying, and it was what happened, and was two good laps, which was enough for P1. And, uh, yeah, amazing job from United with this car and Phil Anson as well. So the setup was great, so let's see how it is in the, in the race. The luck just wasn't there for you guys at Silverstone. Is the luck changing now? Yeah, it is. It is a lot. But, uh, yeah, we were not so lucky in uh, Silverstone, but we were, again, learning about the car. Obviously, now that the guys had more time to strip the cars apart, do exactly what they did, their normal job, because they didn't have much time to prepare the other ones. So I believe that we will now have no issues. That, that's what happened so far. Zero, zero problems. Good luck. Thank you. So, mightily impressive from Philly Barberkirk. And in the last four years, I'm struggling to find any pole position that the Portuguese has set in the ELMS. We know about his form when it comes to races. That might be a first ever ELMS pole. We'll check back through the stats in recent years. But congratulations to uh, United Autosports. Also to everyone else involved with their pole positions through the classes. And it's set to be a very intriguing race tomorrow. 12.30 start local time through till half past four. Just two races to go in the ELMS with the championships to be decided. My thanks to Graham Goodwin of DailySportsCar.com. From Johnny Palmer, join us tomorrow for the race. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.